idea. You are the next one up from me. I have no idea. We we had her here this morning, and I had such fun watching her because every once in a while, one of you will say something about the fact that I have tend to gesture, just a, the, the Italian in me comes out. I got nothing on Molly. I got nothing on Molly. She has got a powerful, got a powerful stance, woman. Yeah. So you will remember that we have been on a journey together once a month um, studying a series called It's Not Just About the Golden Rule. It's not just about the golden rule. Even though religions have a lot in common, it's not just about the golden rule. It's about understanding where faith traditions emerged from. What happened to get them launched? Who were they before they were whatever they are now? And and what made them become the movement that they are? So for throughout the next, I think we have eight months left, until June, we have a speaker coming in each month on a different faith tradition to talk to us about the work of that faith tradition. Where did they emerge from? What is their great work on the planet? Because each faith has something different to do. So if you looked at Unity, you might say, we emerged out of a need for a change in consciousness from a God outside to understanding the indwelling God. You might also say that we emerged from a need for healing and how that consciousness relates to healing forms the foundation of what unity is all about doesn't it so we came out of a particular circumstance judaism also came out of a particular set of circumstances and so it is my great pleasure to invite rabbi dr wally kamanza to come down and tell you about who the Jews were before they were Jewish and all of that and by the way while she's making her way up here World Cafe is this coming Friday Wally will be offering Shabbat service here and some of her folks are going to join us here and that's what we're going to do for World Cafe this Friday and we're starting at 6.30 yes okay cool it's all yours this is my rabbi Everyone should have a rabbi. This is my rabbi. I love you, friend. Thank you for being here. I'm going to grab my coffee. Just the other side of the El Paso. 
And so we do work and bring refugees here. People say, oh, that's a new thing. The Jews are doing refugee work. No, no. We ban the refugees. See, we don't work for refugees. We are refugees. We kind of feel like we're here for time in America. And it's really easy, isn't it? You know, you talk anywhere else. I'm in Paris quite a bit. And it's still easier here. Not everything, okay? year and a half, two years, maternity leave, you know, might be nice. But um, it, there's some things that are just easier. First of all, you don't have to weigh your vegetables at the grocery store. You know, go through and so there's some things that are easier here. But as soon as we feel like we're just passing through if we're here in America, we are refugees and it's not that we're going back to We're just constantly being moved. So, to a Jew, Yahweh, Yah, is the master tester, saying, oh, let me see. I like to think of it with a glimmer in the eye. Let me move these people. They've been here a while. Let's see if we can move a little bit. Make some things happen. Marry some new people about interfaith marriage and Judaism. Oh, it's a new thing. No, it's not. We've been marrying everybody else. How many of you have done your 23 and me? How much a part of us? <laughs> My son, I adopted my son. He is from Nigeria. Evil, urban person. Until he does 23 and me and finds out he's more Jewish than his Jewish mother. Just look it. Yeah, I usually integrate the congregation wherever my children go because River gets black. But he doesn't look Jewish. Yes, he does because Jews come in all shapes, sizes, and the evil people found out, oh, we moved here to Spain. So did many of the people of Mexico. I, when I was asked to go down to El Paso and work with a group of Jews and we just found out they're Jews, because of 23 of me, I love that. You've been lighting candles on Friday night for five generations and you didn't wonder why? Yeah. Everybody else eats the pork and you don't? Yeah. They just found out, and I, what I asked them always is, what do you think made your ancestors leave the beauty of Spain and come here? It was not the travel brochures for the southwest of the United States which was at that time not a very hospitable place. Something made you move. There were people chasing you away. That was why you moved. I grew up thinking that half of my family was Greek. They were people who got kicked out of Russia, went to Greece, became more Greek than the Greeks. Everything was Greek. Until they did 23 and me, and found out. So my mom wasn't the only Jewish person in our family. Now, we have both sides. And that's what many people find. We have spread all over the world. We are the refugees. So for us to go down to Warrex and to serve there, doing very important things like holding babies for mommies so that they can put them down for the first time, sometimes in many, many days or weeks or months. Just have somebody hold their baby. 
you know, as a Bobby, as a grandma, how many grandmas here? Is it a difficult thing to hold a baby? But right? there's a kid in the back, I'm going, give me the baby, you know? I can just see Facebook pictures of her children, her grandchildren, and I can, you know, just through the Facebook, you want to hold them. So it's not a difficult thing we do. It's loving. It's just, it's, it's a loving thing that these people offer us, the opportunity to serve them. We don't do it for them. We do it with them. That is Judaism. So that's where the Jews came from. We were with the Semitic people. The Bronze Age, about 4,000. We talk about this being the 5779 year. And all Jews know that because we change our passwords on Rosh Hashanah. Everybody, no, I, I always have to say, Mark Heinrich is my security guy. My IT security guy probably doesn't like the fact that I do that, but you know, it's a convenient thing, right? Five, seven, seven, nine, no, change it every year. He always asks you, change your password. Yes, what's here? But it's your 5779th year. And, um, but that's supposed to be since the beginning of the world, as if we weren't scientists and hadn't figured out the fact that, you know, you know how old the earth is. Listen to some of the evangelicals, I'll tell you. 6,000 years. Um, there were no dinosaurs. Now, we know that the earth is what that 5779 is. Does anyone know what it is? Good, nobody knows what it is. It has no relevance in anything. But we're really about 4,000 years old as a people. We were with the Semitics, and they had a lot of gods. So I asked one of the kids last week at Highlands, at um, High Plains, thank you, at High Plains, when I was here last week, I asked one of the kids in their group, why did the Jews take all these gods and make them into one? Because that's what we did. And I like smart children. This is a smart child. She said, they became monotheists. Because, because they didn't want to learn all the names. I told her mother, check the genealogy. This is a Jewish child I recognize this. Yes. Of course, who wants to learn all those names? We've got other better things to do. I didn't want to learn things like, you know, long lists like that. When I was a kid, I was busy with ballet and stuff. You know, I didn't want to learn those things. And so we didn't. But there was a more important reason. We are the people of the question as Jews. And I think at Unity you are too. We are the people of the question, not the people of the answer. We have no dogma. Okay, we do. We didn't, but now we do. Because it's easy to keep everybody in line when you have dogma. Right? Those are rules. We like being the rules girls and the rules boys. It's easy to teach your kids dogma. Then they get to be older, and what's the first thing we say to our adolescents? In all religions that are more modern today, we say, you know, when you were a child, we taught you this stuff. And now you're grown, and you have to think more for yourselves. Right? Why don't we just teach them to think for themselves when they're little, too? It's not a bad thing to do. But rules help. Rules keep the little box. And it's kind of convenient. So we ask a few answers, like, there is a divine presence. There is. We choose to call God. But we don't write God, we write a little hyphen in between because we don't want you to burn the book and destroy it. We do all sorts of things. We have 169 names for God. So what do we do? We took all these different gods and we made them into one 
We took all the different aspects and we pushed them all into one because we were going to ask the big questions. Do you really want to ask the most important question that Jews ask? Why? To the moon? Why, moon? Are you shining? By the way, if you have to answer that, it means you don't shine anymore. Don't bother. Sun, why do you come sometimes and you don't come others? Why? When really what I care about is, are you going to shine just enough, but in that region of the world where we come from, don't shine too much, don't work too hard. You know, we have to ask these why questions, but they're all right about very practical things. So my concept of God is my Jewish grandmother asking very practical questions. The big things are very important. The whys are very important. Now, why is the corned beef more expensive at this store than it is? Why are these children intelligent, but these children are not? And how can I make sure that mine are? That's when we ask these questions. We get very practical. So Judaism is a very practical religion. I would guess that we may have been among the more practical people who were with the Semitics in the 4,000 kind of period. And then all the practical people, you know what happens, we get together. It's like if you want to find all of the liberal Democrats in Colorado Springs, you go to the David Sedaris Theater. Where, when you came to town, I look around and think, wow, this is everybody you know. Yeah. Next week on the 22nd, um, we, there was an idea put out that we should gather all Jews in one place. This came about after someone tried to blow up the synagogues. So let's put ourselves all in one place. To which my police chief said, are you idiots? You know? <laughs> and my, my folks said, we don't want to go there. <laughs> let's go to unity. No, we, we're coming to unity. Um, and that's not the only reason. But, you know, people tend to congregate, don't they, among themselves? They tend to congregate. They tend to congregate among people who like what they like, right? So people like people who like themselves. So all the practical people kind of went over here, the Jews. People who were more existential kind of stayed over here with the Semitics and had more gods for a while that probably worked. So Jews came out of a religion with many and became one. And then what did we do? We gave God, one God, only one God, 169 names. We didn't do it right away. They emerged over time. In the Semitics, the gods who were of a feminine nature, do you think they were more powerful or less powerful? More, that's right, ladies, because we make the babies. That's why in Judaism, we bring this over to Judaism, now women don't cover their heads. We don't have to. We can go out and keep our heads uncovered because there's no need to put something, which only covers about a tenth of your head anyways, you know, but there's no need to put anything between your head and God. God wants to see the whole of who you are where that comes from, whereas a man must cover the head. So we bring that concept of really valuing the feminine. Almost 4,000 years ago, 
a Jewish woman could own property in her own name. Wow. If you don't think that's a wow moment, that's a very empowering moment. That meant everything to some women. Because the husband dies, they don't have to give away everything to the brother-in-law or someone else. That's a very empowering thing. There's a lot of that among Jewish women. There's a lot of feminine power that has come out of Judaism. And we've brought that forward in many ways. But our concept of women has even come into our names for God. We have many forms of the halal that comes from the Semitics names where they have the same basic root in their words. And words matter. Words are how we bring forward ideas from one generation to the next. Baruch, on the other hand, Baruch, the name for men, the masculine energy in the Semitics, means protector. Protector. It does not mean lord over. It has nothing to do with misogyny. It has to do with protection in the heart of the protector. Not the warrior, the protector. Different thing. And we see that comes through into Judaism, where men are originally, it gets a little changed, you know, as cultures change, and we had to change back again to get more pure. But there was a real sense of protector within much of our literature within much of our writing. A sense of protection. And God came out of both. Because we've always had this sense in Judaism of the masculine and the feminine. Gave you the Torah. I am taking back intellectual rights at some point. Because, you know, a lot of our stuff, There, I was at New Life last year. I do Pesach, uh, Passover all over town. That's when you do Rent a Jew Week. And I was over and did Passover for them, Pesach. Whole dinner and everything. And then one of the board members, shall not be named, um, stood up afterwards and said, Oh, Rabbi, I finally figured it out. We have the same God. And his pastor was in back of him going, ah. Poor Pastor Daddy. It was, he said after me, words he said to me, I think maybe I have to do a little more instruction. You know, maybe you shouldn't come just to piss off. Maybe you should come. You did that well. You did like, huh, well. But maybe you should come. You know, like a little more often, so I get to go back for Advent. But um, the idea is that, yes, we do have one God. And we gave Christians and all those, you know, the other religions, we gave some things. We also got some things. Kabbalah came to us. Not something we invented. It comes from the Far East. You know, it get moved in from the Far East, from the Indian subcontinent. This idea of numerology. I moved into my house this year. Um, I refugeed this year. I left a 20-year, very abusive relationship. And I moved into my own home, my own safe space. And when I did that, you know, that's not easy for a rabbi because we're supposed to have perfect homes, right? We're supposed to have perfect relationships and families. There's a reason we have a fund for marriage counseling for rabbis. You know. um, but we, but um, I moved into my own safe space, my own home, a beautiful home. And the family that moved out is Chinese. And they wouldn't let me move in on the 23rd of December. I said, why not? It's not an auspicious day. The grandmother 
It's not auspicious. I said, got the moving trucks act. It's auspicious for me? Well, maybe it could be auspicious for you, kind of thing. No, it wasn't auspicious, and so I didn't get to move in that day. I had to wait until it was auspicious on the 27th. You know, the movement's smooth. I'm not, I could fault Grandma. She was so worried about it that she made us know. When people are willing to give of themselves that way, you don't second guess. You just say, okay. Can we come to your restaurant for the next few days for dinner? Because I've already packed everything. You know, we did. Awesome. So we kept these ideas from other places. So, well, usually they didn't start with eight. Oral tradition. And they have no written oral. Okay. We believe in faith that something happened to move people out of captivity, where, by the way, the Egyptians weren't even trying to keep them in the believe, but that was last year. Passover, sir. But we finally got in the desert. We move around a lot. You know, we wandered for 40 years because men were leading and didn't ask questions. And we wander it's 13 miles folks i've walked you know, right. right for years i don't understand no one understands but then you know we especially that there was a mountain and there is a beautiful mountain sinai if you convert to judaism you are as jewish as people who stood at the bottom of that mountain and the something came down from the mountain moses had an experience he was a stranger in their land, although he was Jewish. He was a stranger. He had been raised with them, so he's a stranger. He brings something to them. He brings to them, do this. He brings commandment. Not suggestion. Commandment. And those seem to have stayed pretty darn close over the years, which is what I remind my children, who are now all adults, when I tell them that honor your mother and father is not a suggestion. You know, it's a goodie. We say those things that have stayed pretty, pretty similar. But most of the rest has not. It is story. It was never meant to be considered that. Do we really believe, as Jews, I've often asked, and I thought about it when I was like, second grade in school, that you really put all those animals on one boat, two of every kind? And my first thought, poop. That's a lot of poop. It's, it's what I thought also when I was at the Coliseum and I went I big Coliseum in Rome the ground everybody else is wondering about the gladiators and all this stuff. And I'm thinking where do we go to bathroom? That's impractical, the mother, the bubby. But we think we don't we didn't think Noah's Ark was an ark. It's an allegory. It's a story. It's a story of survival and refugee. Of destroy it, I'm gonna make it better. It's going to look like it's really bad, people. But it's going to get better, people. We do not, as Jews, have a concept of heaven any longer. We probably did. But we do not really have a concept of heaven. And as a Jewish universalist, I'll tell you, I, I have this concept that it was used, that concept of heaven was used to oppress. To say, it's really bad here for you oppressed people. But hang on in there, slave. Hang on in there, refugee, oppressed person, Jews that I'm going to throw out of someplace. Anybody. Because it's going to be better in heaven. Where apparently I'm not going to get to be. But, uh, no. It's here. It's right here. We create heaven right here. As a Jew, we create heaven. Right, I bring it to you. My theology bring to you. We create it here. 
And it's your legacy. Yes, your legacy lives on. The words of your pastor live on. But the idea that we get to do it from some stays, we had the concept of resurrecting your body until somebody actually looked at those bodies and realized, hmm, probably not. I don't know why it took them so long. But whatever. If heaven works for you, if it is something that you long for, that's lovely. It's just as a Jew, we don't do that. But what we do have a real concept of is the idea that God is not up, around, but in and among and moving. And so that idea of Noah, for instance, was that, yes, sometimes in moving us, there are floods and hurricanes that we go through. And that's necessary, not for me, but for something else in the world. It's necessary to allow for something else to happen, or because we have free will, we do it to ourselves. And we have to go through those experiences the idea of a Noah's Ark is just about hope. It's a story that was meant to bring hope. That when things are very, 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 very bad, that there would be a hope that you can hold on to. And as children especially, that idea that, oh, those animals survived. And the unicorn, I love that song. Um, all the animals on Noah's Ark and the unicorn. But... We didn't apparently make the second ship or something, you know, we was off on a cruise. Um, that we would survive. So we have all of our stories that make us do that. We come then to the idea of how Judaism is today not an oral tradition, it's a written tradition. Things got written down. Then they got burned. We had a big fire, we lost all the written works. Pretty much all at one time. I had to start over again. You know, when they started writing the Torah again, they didn't write the same Torah. Today, when you write the Torah, we're bringing big Torah to you next Friday night. You bring the Torah, and you have the written Torah. When we copy it from one Torah to the next, every letter is done individually, every character is done individually. If you make a mistake, you destroy it, and you start all over again. That's why it takes so long to do it. Um, three years on an average, somebody working, $40,000 the average price right now for Torah. We were given ours, our community was given ours. It's traveled across the country just recently, you see. Um, and so we have this idea, though, they didn't write it down the same way. The next time they wrote it, it was a different time and place. I had someone ask me not long ago, couldn't we write it again? Yeah, we are writing it again. But we're writing it again through our lives now, not through the words. So we come from Torah and this idea that this is what we, this is all we believe, to the time of the rabbis. The rabbi today means what? Teacher, right, doesn't mean preacher. It doesn't mean person with all the answers. It means persons with person with a lot more questions. So when you ask a Jewish rabbi something, you'll get 10, answer, 10 questions, no answers. When we are these people of the questions, so we are the people where the rabbis wrote a lot of questions. Well, the rabbis like their own answers, and so they wrote those two, and we call that the Talmud. Those are rabbinical questions and answers. And they were the best wisdom of their time from that period, and then we developed the orthodox, the orthodox part of Judaism because of that. These are the rules, girls, and the rules. They like the rules. They follow them. They follow them because they make their lives stable and steady in places and in the world where
where it wasn't stable and steady to be. So you get kicked out of Russia and moved someplace, it's nice to kind of have the rules, stay with you, keep your society there. The conservative movement came later, and it came out of the fact that when you're in some place, and there aren't a lot of Jews around, and you have to hide, for instance, well, maybe the men need to sit next to the women. In the Orthodox, the men sit apart from the women because of the same reason the Islamics do it. The, my Islamic brother, Shad, said to me, it's not because the women don't have value in place, it's because men are gods. They would just look at the women all the time. Really? Yeah. This is why the Jews do. They wanted to separate. So, in conservative, you have to put them together because when you're in somebody's living room, it's, it's, you can't do that. Conservative movement came out of a lot of change there. The Reconstructionists came, the Reform Movement came next, actually. The Reform Movement came later. As we diaspora around the world, we moved around the world, but as they integrated other cultures. And they said, maybe some of those rules don't matter. We have a lot of dietary rules. You know that, right? You know, familiar? We don't eat pork, right? Why don't we? It's not because pigs are bad. Because Arab men were making their children raise little pigs and slaughter them. And a pig is like a dog. The little boy raises his little pig, and then the guys would tell him to slaughter him. They did not do this because they hated their sons. They did it because they needed to harden the heart to make that child a warrior in a place where being a warrior meant you lived. Otherwise, you died. It was not because they hated their sons. It was because they loved them and they wanted to protect them. The Jewish women saw this happening and forbid it. And then what did the Arab women do? They said the same thing. These are cultural things now that we know from the anthropologists, from the work of those people who do all of this anthropology and teach us these things. It was for good reason. We don't eat milk and meat for the same reason. It's not because God had nothing to do but say, yes, please take care of each other, please love each other, and don't eat cheeseburgers. No. It's because you have a woman over here who's lazy. She doesn't want to go to get water. She's got a goat, so she milks the goat. She cooks the meat that they're going to have once a year in that, and calcium blocks iron. So her kids are stupid because they don't get the they don't get the iron they need to have oxygen to the brain, so they're not doing so well. That's Sarah. Over here is Leah. She looks at that and goes, "You know what I'm talking, right?" On the front porch. You should see what her children do. They're lazy. She's a lazy mother. Let me not let me not speak with an evil tongue, but by the way, she's a <laughs> listen Jewish woman talk sometimes sounds like back permitting. Pray for brother so and so and let me tell you what he did. Just so you don't forget. Um we we look at that and we say, Okay, my children are gonna go get water. They're gonna go exercise because I don't want them around the house. I think Jewish women were probably the first women to not ground their children in the house. That never made sense to me. Ground them out. But you get them you know, they'd have to go walk and get the water. And so she boiled every because we boil everything. We even boil fish, we call it the filter fish. Nobody likes it, everybody eats it just because we're Jews. And we boiled up this and so now we have smart children who also exercise a lot because they have to go get the water. And we look at that and so we tell our husbands, by the way, we should not boil anything in milk. And the husband says, God told me in a dream. Then he tells all the other men, 
who are not going to say, did you get that from your wife? No, they're not going to say They're all talking about God while well, the women are running life. Right? It's the same. That is the same in every religion. I'm sorry, but there is one religion. It's that we do the practical. Um, we, what the Buddhists do that? We do all this very practically. Judaism is a practical religion. Jewish universalism is a new form of Jewish, uh, Jewish practice. The largest and the, in terms of fastest growing. Um, our congregation went from 39 to 310 in the last two years. That's because we have beer and pizza after service. But, you know how to get it. But we also, um, it's because of something else. We incorporate from everyone the very best. And we say, if your journey has taken you through other religions, do not give it up. So sometimes at a Jewish universal service, you'll hear one of my favorite theologians, Thomas Merton, who says there's wisdom in the four corners of the earth. Sufficient to heal the human heart. And we bring that beautiful Catholic thing to us. And we bring songs from other places to us. And that's Jewish universalism. Kind of feels comfortable around. But there's one Jewish concept that has survived the ages, and it is our universal concept. If you would stand as you're able. And if you would stand on one foot as you're able. If you're sitting down, you're not excused, you're going to pick up one foot. Can't pick up one foot, pick up a hand. Okay. One foot. There we go. So Rabbi Hillel, my favorite rabbi. I think, by the way, I think Jesus and he would have been really, really cool together. Rabbi Hillel says, with a bunch of his students all around him, because he's a professor, he says, because you have to have another job as a rabbi, can't just be wrong, he says to all of his students, who say, oh, professor, I can't learn all the Torah, I can't learn all the Torah, it's just too much for my head, though my mother says I'm brilliant, I can't get it all in here, besides I have a test on Friday, and I want to go on a date on Thursday I can't get it all in. So he says, don't worry about it. I got it. Gotcha. All the Torah, you can learn it right now, standing on one foot. Here it is. If, if somebody did something really bad to you and you wouldn't like it, do not do it to anyone else. That's it. Okay, go home now. Oh, no, you can't. Other foot, other foot, other foot. Jewish universalism. Well, at least by, they haven't really said it's Jewish universalism. It's just more like Rabbi Wally. Okay, but, gospel according to it. Okay, so if you wouldn't, if something's really bad if it was done to you, like if you got here from another country and in, that you're running away from because people are killing you or killing your family, you have to run away from that country. And you got here. If it would really, really be hard for you if that country didn't welcome you and help you and give you shalom, give you peace, give you hug and welcome, if being barred off from that would be bad to you, don't do it to anybody else. And to the extent you're able, don't let anybody else do it to anyone else. That's Torah. Don't let anyone hurt someone else. If it would be hurtful to you, don't do it. 
to close. The concept that is our essential concept it is what every Jew will say as he's dying or she's dying. Like a Catholic will often say, no merit. To call upon the divine spirit of a woman. A Jew will come back to this primary concept of oneness. As the Jewish Universalist will also say, is the concept of oneness of you and God and everyone else and God. There are no more God than anyone else and you are no less godly within you than anyone else. We come back to Echad. Can you say it with me? Echad. If you don't spit, you're not Jewish. Echad. That's how I know my sister Beth Heinrich is Jewish because she spits with the best of them. Makes the best food for Passover. Haroset. My children all say they want it for their weddings. They don't care about wedding cake. They want haroset. The name of my car. Yeah, the Jew within her is big. So we have this concept of had echad. Our last, our our thought is that God is one. So we say shema, shema. Does every mother say right? beginning of shut up and listen to me right the way the rabbi gets to say it because we can't say shut up because it's a nice word we have to say nice words because it's a rub right and the ma who tells you that first your mother ma shma means listen shma shma israel now if you're you're gonna try to be american you go israel if you are really Israeli, you say Israel. I don't know. Yeah. Right. So everybody else says in the world says Israel. That's nice. Shema Israel. Shema Israel. To which my congregation goes and everybody else. Just, hey, you're gonna do beer and pizza like five minutes later. So yeah. Shema Israel and everybody else is Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai God. Eloheinu, one of the names of God. Adonai Eloheinu, put together, means the one God. The only, the biggie. The the God. Adonai Eloheinu. And then if you didn't get the first time, we're going to tell you again. What? Mother wrote this way. Adonai Adonai God is one. Echad is, is one. It goes like this, you sing with me. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Echad Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Now, if you would, to finish, if you feel like, you can come into the side, into your little, because I know you do this, because you did last service. So you get to stand up, and you get to stand in your aisle, very quickly, if you want to, only if you want to, because as Jews, we dance. So, we're going to grab onto people, shoulders. Now I try to do this with my Muslim brothers and sisters. They go, oh no. Sisters do it. Yeah. So we're going to do the whole run around it. Okay. There you go. So you're going to start off to your right. That's the right. We go, Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. We do it slow. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Now we go faster. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. You gotta move. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Now, if 
stop moving enough, you're going to do the hip. And you know, my congregation, which is also known as date night Friday night, there's a lot of hip going on. So you want to make sure you move. I don't know who's slowing down the line. Down and move it. Okay, because we're going to kind of move around the side because we got all the way around. And then we might even turn around. You never know. Go. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Let's go the other way. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu. That's how I, how I, I was just paying attention. Other way. Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. There we go. This is the slowest moving circle I've seen in a very long time. By Friday night next week, you need to work on your horror. Come, come, feet. Work out. We're going to be taking outdoors next week. Not have this put on the space. I know you're all hungry. That's what it is. You're hungry. You're ready for lunch. I guess we do. We eat. So we do. What makes Jews Jews? You know, blessing. God of Israel, God of Abraham, God of Isaac and Ishmael. In equal measure, we pray for the people of the world and take the prayers of these people to rise up, to rise out, to rise among your people, to rise up your people as a mighty people of God the divine force within, as we know you, as we call you. Amen. Thank you.